You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. What Were You Thinking? is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog, shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canin, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADTHINK, S-A-D-T-H-I-N-K, and get $15 off your order of $75 or more. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather. I'm a little out of breath here. I just got back from a walk down to the river with Linda. It's uh, November 21st today, and we are always, from a birding point of view, on the lookout for interesting ducks on the river, just just to see what's out there. Sometimes we might get uh, buffleheads or golden eye or something you know other than the normal mallards, although we tend to see those more coming through in the spring than in the fall, but it's that time of year when it's very possible, so uh, we were doing that. I'm taking a break from the phone interview shows and uh, doing a uh, so-called studio show this week and uh, maybe even for the next show too. The topic is going to be about birding. I haven't talked about birding for a while because I had uh, quite a wonderful experience this morning, quite an interesting one. Before I do that, a couple of things. As I mentioned in the last show, there is a very real possibility that a movie is going to be made out of my first book, Enslaved by Ducks, and if that happens, I'm thinking it'll be at least the production will get started in the next year and a half because uh, Patricia Heaton just renewed her dramatic rights option on my book. So very excited about that. I just just had to mention it again. The other thing I want to talk about is I just got this really fabulous book in the mail. It's from my friend Kimberly Link. Kim Link lives in Connecticut and she is the founder and president of the Majestic Waterfowl Sanctuary. And uh, I'll quote from the back of the book, she's a rescuer who understands the connection between pet ducks and their guardians. She just loves her ducks and her geese. And so she has written the ultimate pet duck guidebook. And really, if you are a duck owner, this is the book that you want to get. It is just packed, packed with information. 221 pages, charts, color photos. There is material about um, keeping your ducks happy and healthy, including kind of illnesses they might get, what kind of uh, diet Kim recommends, the kind of housing they need. It's great. And one thing I love about this book, and that makes it different from any other book about keeping ducks on the market, is that you will not find at the end of this duck care book 
a section on butchering your duck. And that's something I've had to live with. I mentioned that in Enslaved by Ducks, uh, that uh, much to my uh, discomfort that when I would buy books about uh, caring for our ducks so that we could learn about them, that there was always a section on the back on eating the ducks. The uh, concept of having ducks as pets apparently was quite alien to folks. So this is the first really comprehensive guide that I've seen that is just about caring for and and loving the ducks. So, Kim, thanks a lot. I'm going to have her as a guest on the show, and uh, I'm going to mention her book in a couple episodes, too, just because I want the word to get out there, because um, the um, Majestic Waterfall Sanctuary does great work, and this is an absolutely indispensable book to have. You can get a copy by going to Amazon.com, or you can also go to majesticwaterfowl.org. That's all one word, www.majesticwaterfowl.org. So uh, let me give a shout out to Kim. Uh, hi, Kim. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for sending me the book. It's, it's absolutely great. And Kim knows more about ducks than anybody I have ever met. And I'm glad that she's finally putting her expertise into print. So this week, I say this week as if I put out podcasts <laughs> weekly. I'm lucky if I can do two a month. It's it's just the way it is because I'm busy working on a book about cats, and I'm at the dreaded proposal stage. What that means is that uh, I have to prepare for my publisher a um, proposal as I am writing the book, a proposal that will tell them what is going to be in the book and interest them in publishing it. And this is my third go-round on it, my third version of it, trying to um, come up with a format for the book that they will love so that uh, it'll come out. So the new book is going to be about our cats, and it's called The Funnel of Happiness. And I do have nine chapters, probably nine out of 14 chapters, somewhat, <laughs> somewhat written. I say somewhat because they're going to have to conform to the proposal. So uh, wish me luck on that. From time to time... I do a show about birding, and that is bird watching, about looking at wild birds, because that's a really big interest of mine. Last, probably February, I did a show with book character Bill Holm, who's been a guest, I think, about three times, if guest is the right word, an annoyance, a nuisance. He has been on What Were You Thinking? And we had a show about going to find white wing crossbills last winter. I had hoped that Bill would come with me on my quest this time around, but uh, he's sick. He's been sick for over a week now, coughing, lung problems, all kinds of nasty stuff. He insists that it's not the flu, that it's a virus. I, I guess in uh, Bill's world, uh, the flu is caused by a uh, spore or a, a mutant bacterium. Um, so I'm I'm hoping he comes around, and I'm sorry he couldn't go with me because I actually almost didn't didn't go at all because I'm such a lazy soul. Here's the background on this really rare and extraordinary bird that I set out in search of today. Uh, last Saturday, just a week ago, there was a posting on the birding list serve that I belong to that in St. Joseph, Michigan, at a place called Tiscarnia Park on Lake Michigan, there was a sighting of a bird called an ancient murrelet. Now this, this is an extraordinarily rare bird. The murrelet is, 
in the family of birds called alcids. And if you haven't heard of alcids, you are like most of us because these are birds of the northern, if not arctic, waters, although I, I guess northern is more accurate. Some of the alcids are compared to penguins. They have kind of a penguin look about them, although they are flighted. This bird, the ancient murrelet, is so rare in eastern North America that if you have a Peterson's Field Guide to the birds of eastern North America, you will not find it in there at all. So it's quite staggering that this bird that lives off the waters of Alaska and the uh, northwest coast of America and Canada would ever end up in Lake Michigan, but, but it has. When I first heard about the bird <laughs> last week, I was shocked and excited, but uh, being Bob, a rather sentimental soul, I have to tell you I was actually a little bit bothered to hear about it. I felt the same way hearing about the bird that I felt when I was in our uh, Meyer store. It's a bit like a, a Walmart in that it has, uh, you know, groceries and uh, everything you could think of. And they used to sell pet birds, which which I didn't like because I don't like people walking into a store and just on impulse uh, picking up a bird and bringing it home. I was in the mire a couple of years ago when a cockatiel had gotten loose and I could hear it calling from um, way high up in the beamwork. And uh, I found that very distressing. A little less distressing was just a couple of weeks ago, beginning of November. For some reason, there was a butterfly <laughs> loose in mire when I was walking through. In both cases, you know that there's probably not a good end in sight for the creature. So I felt that way when I heard about this ancient murrelet because it was so far off course, and it's it's a pretty small bird, uh, although what that has to do with it, I don't know, but it seemed even more vulnerable to me because uh, it's uh, on its own, and plus it's, it's you know, only about a, a foot long. But, you know, that's a ridiculous comment when you think that uh, a bird like a golden-crowned kinglet, almost one, one of the tiniest birds that we have, just thrives in the coldest temperatures in New England, but but they're supposed to be there. And the ancient murrelet, this uh, near penguin of a bird, is not supposed to be in Lake Michigan. So I have to tell you, I'm such a sensitive soul. When I heard about this bird being off the pier at St. Joseph, Michigan, last Saturday, I actually, it, it disturbed me, and I actually had a little trouble falling asleep uh, worrying about the bird, which is, is, is pretty silly. But as the week wore on, there were more sightings of the bird and uh, reports of it diving and feeding, and it started uh, kind of uh, resonating in me that I hadn't been on a trip in quite a while to look for birds and uh, I, I'm one of those people, I, I'm not a really good birder. I met a lot of good birders today. The birders I met today are definitely A-level birders. I think just about every one of them, I would give myself a C, maybe a, a C minus, in that there are some birds I know pretty well, but the uh, vast majority not. But I was interested also because there were a few other birds people were seeing that were seabirds that were showing up at this pier. Uh, when I say at the pier, off at quite a ways, but still. So I decided uh, yesterday, Friday, that I would uh, today, Saturday, um, get up early and drive. It's uh, 
Gypsy. Gypsy is my uh, GPS unit, and Gypsy told me that it's uh, 99 miles one way to St. Joseph, Michigan, from Lowell, Michigan, where I live, and uh, it's kind of a ways, but I thought it would be still a good thing to do on a Saturday morning. Uh, I thought that uh, when I got everything ready yesterday, but uh, I woke up this morning headachy, didn't sleep all that well, and uh, I was even more whiny than usual, and I was telling Linda that uh, I, I just didn't think I was going to bother to uh, go look for this bird because, first of all, even if this bird was seen every single day, there's nothing to say that it would be still here today, and it's an hour and 45 minutes one way to St. Joseph, and I'm a very lazy person, and uh, I'm also... Even though I'm lazy, I'm kind of work-driven in that uh, when I'm working on a book, it's always kind of in my mind, so I'm always kind of working on that, or I'm uh, doing something on my computer, but I'm lazy as far as, uh, I guess, physical activity, <laughs> even something as low impact as driving is concerned. So I woke up this morning, oh, I don't I don't think I'm going to go, I got a headache, but uh, Linda talked me into it. Uh, she wasn't able to go because of her back problems. But, uh, you know, the bird was not seen at all yesterday. And um, I think a few days passed earlier in the week when it wasn't seen. So really, I was uh, kind of taking a chance going that far. But, but, but I decided to do so. One thing that uh, was sort of the deciding factor was that people, I, I keep lists I have a list of the number of birds I've seen on our property, the number of species, and I'm at 111 for that. If if I were a real birder, I would probably be quite a bit higher. And my um, number in uh, general uh, was um, of all the bird species that I have seen was um, sputtering around uh, in the in the 250s. So the opportunity to maybe even if I uh, didn't see the ancient mirror and I didn't expect that I would, that I would still have a chance to at least maybe see another species of bird. So I thought that, that was enough of a reason to go. So I decided to go. And after the break, I will tell you what happened. If you are still with me and have made it through this long rambling discourse, you are listening to What Were You Thinking? I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather, and we will be right back after this message from our sponsor. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. There's a movement afoot. ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code THINKING, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. 
Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash what W-H-A-T to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code WHAT, W-H-A-T, and save 10% on orders of $65 or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com. Hello? Danica, where have you been? Oh, Grandma, I've been busy, you know, racing, GoDaddy girl. Oh, I built my own online store with GoDaddy. Really? Let me see. Grandma'sauction.com? Hey, aren't those Grandpa's golf clubs? Grandma needs her bingo money. Use promo code WHAT10, W-H-A-T, the number 10, and get a .com domain name for just $7.49 at GoDaddy.com. If you ask the question, what do I want, what do I need, I'll take a back shot. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available in iTunes. Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm Bob Tardigan. You are listening to What Were You Thinking? Still, unless you had enough and uh, pressed the uh, magic button to uh, stop this podcast. So I got out of the house fairly early for me, which was about 8.30. It uh, takes a while to get going because I have bird chores in the morning. I didn't even do the outdoor chores this morning. Linda was kind enough to uh, volunteer to do them. But what I have to do when I wake up in the morning is, first of all, I have uh, five cats to feed, and um, two of them are on special diets. Our cat... Lucy needs to have something for her bladder stones. Only Lucy would have a bladder stone problem. And our cat, Tina, has a food allergy. And I hate to admit it, but she can only eat the special food that's made from, I can hardly say it. Kim Link, if you are listening, please plug your ears. I'm afraid it is a duck-based pet food. So it's sad, but uh, that's what we're stuck with right now. So I have to do that in the morning and then uh, take the cover off uh, something like seven bird cages, take all the covers off and then feed them. And feeding at least three of the birds is a little bit complicated because it involves uh, chopping up at different sizes uh, various fruits. And uh, this morning the um, lineulated parakeet and uh, Bella, my African gray timna, and another bird, they got chopped pear, apple, and orange. Uh, I'd been trying them with mango a little while ago, but they didn't seem to care for that. So anyway, that, that kind of slows you down a little bit in the morning. So I finally uh, I got to uh, Tiscornia Park thanks to Gypsy, my GPS unit. She did a pretty good job getting me there. And Tiscornia Park is a beach in uh, on the northern uh, part of the city of St. Joseph on Lake Michigan, and there is a pier, and it's uh, quite a long pier. I think someone said it was uh, 400 yards long. So I walked out on the pier. I, I saw a couple birders right away, and I asked them if uh, the murelet was being seen, and they uh, were a little discouraged, and they said, um, no, it wasn't, but that there was something called a little gull. And a, a little gull is not the most common bird, it's um, also a bird that I wanted to add to my species list. I'd never seen a little gull. So I, I was still in a pretty good mood. It was a spectacular day for November. November 21st in Michigan, you usually don't even want to step outside. This year, though, I think we were up around 50 or maybe into the low 50s, and the sun was out and shining. Just a beautiful day. It felt to me more like a day in early October rather than late November. So I, I was fine about it. I walked to the end of the pier and there were probably about 30 birders there with their scopes set up. And that's because the word had really gotten out about this bird. Uh, one fellow that was there who was also from the uh, birding listserv that I belong to, he got up at 3.30 in the morning to uh, drive to St. Joseph from the other part of the state. He's in the eastern part of the state. So you got a lot of really dedicated people looking for birds. So I had a little trouble finding the little gull on my own because uh, 
it looks a lot like uh, Bonaparte's gull. There were a lot of Bonaparte's gulls flying around, and I was very happy for the other birders because they were able to point the little gull out to me. I should say birders, uh, at the risk of <laughs> being negative at all, they're an unusual lot, and uh, you always get a few who seem more interested in proving their vastly superior knowledge than in really uh, helping out too much. There was one fellow that was there, and I asked him about the murrelet. I said, would that be one of the rarest birds that ever came to Michigan? And he kind of snapped at me. He said, I would know I'm not from Michigan. I'm from another state. So I, I didn't find that really helpful. But for the most part, the people there were just wonderful. They had their scope set up, and when they saw a bird, they would step back and uh, invite people who only had binoculars uh, to go up and look through the scope. Sometimes you need a scope. It's uh, you know it, it's a telescope, and um, you can see further than that. So I was really lucky because this murrelet, even the days that it has been seen, it certainly does not hang around all day. It it flies in for its own mysterious reasons, feeds for a while, and uh, then leaves. So imagine my surprise when I figured the only bird I would get today was the little gull. And there were other birds out there. There was a um, redneck grebe, which is, which is a nice bird. Uh, it was not a new one for me. Uh, several Bonaparte's gulls and um, you know you know a few other things. But I was only there about 15 minutes when suddenly a fellow said, it's here, uh, I've got the murrelet. And it was just pandemonium. In fact, it was so much pandemonium that uh, one fellow from um, the birding group, and in, in the nicest way, he had to call out and he said, you know, don't panic people, you're, you're going to see the bird. And he tried to calm people down and uh, get everyone to stop yelling so that he could tell us where the bird was. I didn't think he'd be able to do that because it's one thing if you are in a woods and somebody can say, see that tall tree over there next to the row of evergreens just in front of the McDonald's sign, you know, or, or something like that. But here we are just looking out onto water. But like most good birders, he was a uh, very visually oriented soul. I, I am not very good visually. I'm good at hearing the birding sounds, but uh, I read a book a little while ago by Temple Grandin called Animals in Translation, and uh, she has autism. And she made the comment that people who have autism, they see things differently. Their brain processes images different. And I'm paraphrasing what she's saying here, but she talked about people seeing things, people who are autistic, at least in her experience, seeing things more as a collection of parts and pieces than as a unified whole. So you might, uh, in my case, I'm not autistic, but I sometimes think I have some of the characteristics. If I see a bird, sometimes I just focus in on one aspect of the bird and I can't see the rest of it. If someone were to ask me what the bird looked like, I would say, well, I had this stripe through its eye. Well, what did its back look like? And I can't say. I have to actually go through this exercise when I see a bird to say, okay, back brown, breast clear, uh, one stripe through the eye, dark crown. So this guy, though, he was really gifted visually, and he said, okay, see where there's a dark patch of water and then the light patch begins. And sure enough, I never would have noticed it, but there was a dividing line. 
he said, well, just, you know, straight out at uh, 12 o'clock, look at that, uh, you know, 12 o'clock position, look at that dividing line, and the bird is under right now, but he'll come up. And the bird was about 200 feet up, and sure enough, it, it came up. Uh, it, it was, there were really good directions. Um, later on, people would use directions like, um, see the Bonaparte gulls over there, and then see the little pod of northern pintail ducks. Well, he's in the middle between those two groups. So uh, very, very helpful. So I saw the bird, and uh, oh, I thought I was going to tear up. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of these once-in-a-lifetime opportunities that seem uh, probably really silly to anyone who isn't a birder, but I, I'm never going to see this bird again. And it was just just a absolutely gorgeous bird. And uh, I'll tell you a little, it's black and white. I think that's another reason it's compared to penguins. It's got a black head and a black bib and a um, dark gray or black back, and then the rest is white. And it's very, very striking pattern. So we watched this extraordinary bird, and again, it was underwater as often it was um, above water. I was afraid I was only going to get glimpses of it, but I probably got eight good looks at it. And at that moment, I created the classic mistake that ruined it for everybody, although people didn't realize I was to blame, I was, I decided that I would like to try and get a picture of it. Now, I didn't do anything to scare off the bird because it was 200 feet off. It's just a matter of my bad luck. I had my camera zipped inside my jacket, and I pulled my camera out from inside my jacket, and uh, instantly the bird disappeared, just instantly. And everyone said, where'd the bird go? It's like it vanished. And it was, of course, just because I wanted to take a picture of the bird. Other people were taking pictures of it, and there's no problem. But because I was even thinking about it, that was enough to uh, make this bird completely disappear. It did uh, show up again about 15 minutes later, but it was so far out. It was about 400 yards out that uh, it was it was pretty hard to see. But I got some really good looks at it. I also um, saw a group of black scoters, that was uh, another new bird for me, beside the little gull, the black scoters. These are thick-bodied sea ducks that, you know, don't come inland very much, but you will occasionally see them in winter and apparently like fall in the Great Lakes. And so there were um, five uh, black scoters that flew in. But really one of the most exciting birds was a parasitic Jaeger. I think it's pronounced Jaeger. It's, it's spelled with a J. That shows you I'm not a very good birder. I think they said Jaeger. It's just like the time I was at uh, Muskegon Wastewater, which is a really good birding spot. I was there with book character Bill Holm, and we had just seen a bird that was a, uh, a new one for me. It was a black-bellied plover. P-L-O-V-E-R, and some birders stopped when they saw me there with my scope, and uh, uh, they wondered what I was had seen, and when I said uh, black-bellied plover, I just got this look from them, and um, I went home and looked <laughs> looked up the word and realized that I had committed the, f the beginner's uh, mistake of saying plover rather than plover. I guess you can say plover, but uh, anyway, plover is preferred and shows that you are a birder rather than um, a nitwit like myself. So this uh, parasitic Jaeger flew in, and it is just a striking patterned bird. I have seen, again, this is a seabird, which you don't see in the Great Lakes very often. And this bird flew in, 
and I always thought that these were, you know, sea pictures in the books. I figured that's a big seagull. It's a big gull. But it's more like the red-tailed hawk of the ocean. And it flew in, and suddenly the birds just scattered. The Bonaparte gulls just scattered. Gorgeous bird. And uh, it was wheeling around, and then finally it settled on the water. And I guess this was something people don't see all that much, to see uh, the Jagger floating on the water. So... um I watched that for a while and uh, hung around a bit longer and um, it seemed like the murelet was uh, probably flushed by this uh, aquatic uh, bird of prey. So uh, I left at that point, uh, probably left a little prematurely because when I got home I saw that there were a few other new species I could have gotten. But, but anyway, it's just an extraordinary day, an extraordinary bird. Uh, once-in-a-lifetime bird for me, I'm sure, and uh, it, I was just really excited about it and wanted to share the experience with you. So uh, thank you for putting up with my enthusiasm. Uh, this has been What Were You Thinking? If you would like to be a guest and talk about your critters, just drop me a line at bob at petliferadio.com. We don't talk about dogs and cats very much. This is a show about exotic pets, so if you have reptiles or birds or tarantulas or fish or invertebrates, this is the show for you. And also, please visit my website at www.bobtart.com. Pick up Kim Link's book, The Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook. And thank you so much to my producer, Mark Winter. My long-suffering producer has to listen to every one of my shows, and I'm sure it has aged him many, many years. So thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.